Welcome to the Decode 6 podcast, where we take your questions about carbon and ecosystem services and match them to the experts with the answers. I'm your host, DJ May. Now here's today's big question. What is virtual fence and how could producers use it? To answer that question, we have two guests this week, Anna Shadbolt and Andy Lawrence. Anna is a research associate at Colorado State University's AgNext program, where she's been working with Andy, a fourth generation rancher in Colorado, to try out virtual fence on his land. They'll tell us all about virtual fence and what it's really like to test out a new technology on working land. Anna, Andy, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks, DJ. Good to hear from you. I guess it is. Not see you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, good to hear from you, too. I'm really glad you could be here. So, Anna, I'm going to put you on the spot first. Tell us, what is Virtual Fence? Yeah. So, Virtual Fence, it's um, basically this concept that originates, I kind of, I compare it to like dog collars, is that you can set up an invisible fence anywhere that you want. So you put a collar on your cattle and then that collar communicates to a base station and you can create fences anywhere you want from your computer. From your computer, it goes to a satellite, the satellite to the base station, base station to the collar. And then these animals are basically equipped with the invisible fences. Um, The way that they are like responding to these invisible fences is through sound and shock. So they'll hear a beep as they approach these invisible fences and then eventually they'll have a shock on the collar. Um, but yeah, and so you basically just need like the coverage from the base station and you can pretty much put a fence line up anywhere within bounds, but, um, for the most part, that's kind of how it works. Cool. Well, tell me a little bit more about the, uh, the particulars of that. So can it be any size? Is there a limit? What are your restrictions you're working with? Yeah. So, um, the size it kind of varies and we've been testing this a little bit, but um, Vents, which is the company that we're using, there's several other companies, doesn't recommend going any smaller than 50 acres on your virtual fence lines. Um, this is kind of more of an animal welfare issue is you don't want your animals hitting those boundaries all the time. You want them to be able to get away from the stimulus. So if you go too much smaller than that, you run into the risk of them um, just constantly being hit on these boundaries. Um, so that's one of the limitations on the virtual fences. Um, we've found that you have to kind of work with animal behavior. So don't, you know, we've had to, um, and Andy's been really great about this is like putting your virtual fence line on top of a hill, you know, where your cattle aren't really going to be pushing anyways, things like that. And really working within the animal behavior and their movements. Um, but as far as like the collaring goes, we have them on, 120 cows with their calves. Um, and then I also am helping with 120 steers on a different project. But yeah, so as far as the collars go, you can put it, put them on pretty much anything. Okay, cool. And is it just the cows that have the collars? You don't have them on the calves, right? Correct. Yep. It's just okay. the cows. Um, and the calves just kind of stay with their mamas. And Perfect. yeah. 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 Okay. So the concept is great. What What are the potential uses? Like, how do you see this working out on working land. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of my personal big focuses with virtual fence is like the sustainability aspect of it and being able to keep your animals in or out of specific areas. So, um, one of the things that we tried about a month ago is, um, putting exclosures on a riparian area. 
So, you know, this looks like you go walk your riparian area, maybe see some areas that are washed out or a little um, degraded, and you can actually exclude that area without putting up any fence lines or anything like that. And you can do it for a small period of time, a long period of time, and keep your cattle out of that area or vice versa. If you have an area that's really overgrown or somewhere that you actually want your cattle to be, you can put them in that area. So I think from like a sustainability standpoint, it's really interesting to be able to, um, manage your herd in a very pastoralist way from your computer. Um, it's almost like you're bridging these gaps of like a very traditional and um, historical kind of management with this very high tech technology. So yeah, that's one of the ways I've really been inspired. But Andy, do you have anything to add to that from a producer standpoint? <laughs> no, not, not, not much different. I mean, it eventually I think will come to a point where you can use it for a quick rotation deal and, and kind of rotate some cattle through a through an area similar like she's talking about where you're not getting grazed now but right now it's not it's not the concept is kind of there but the way of doing it's not quite understanding i guess yet or still learning about that part mm-hmm. now that's a great segue so tell me anna andy how did you two start working together and i guess <laughs> <laughs> andy tell us about your operation like how you thought maybe vents would fit in uh well, I'm a fourth generation rancher here on this place and, and uh, with four service grazing permit. And uh, I guess <laughs> one of the scientists up at the uh, USD experiment station, which is next door to us here, uh, was talking about this. And I just kind of at, at a meeting and I suggested that maybe that would be something that would be fun for me. Uh, as a joke kind of a deal, and, and he took me serious, which he always <laughs> does. So it works out. Uh, anyway, long story short, we came up with the idea to give this a try. Anna was the the lead person on this, and and got a hold of me and through uh, other scientists and so forth. And so we've we've uh, kind of worked together. I don't know since this spring, kind of get, trying to get it organized and and working through some glitches this summer. I think it'll be. If we do it again another year, I think we will have learned some things that that we can know how to get around a little better maybe for next year. I agree with that, that it has been a little bit of a, a learning process. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. I, I want to know more about that. So you mentioned you have, what was it, 120 cows with the collars on right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, talk me through the setup. What was it like to get them all collared? What has it been like to manage them with virtual fence? How, how does that look on the ground? Well, it, I guess if I'll step in on yeah. this one, it, it turned into a little bit more than I thought it was going to eventually. When we first started talking about this, we ended up having to gather the cows. I have them kind of, I have a, a, a system that I use in the springtime as we're getting ready to go to, to our summer pastures and, and the cattle are not very close to home here. So we had to bring the cows home, uh, split the calves off of them and, and then uh, run the cows through the chute uh, individually, of course, and then put the collars on. It took quite a crew to, you know, enough people to get all this done to kind of keep it flowing. And it was a little exciting, I guess. The cows, when we first did this, the cows jumped in joy. I guess. Yeah. They, were, <laughs> they were really scared of the collars. It really affected oh. their yeah. their manner i guess because they they really fought it for a little bit for oh 30 45 seconds or a minute or so and then they kind of they kind of cooled down so it just the it wasn't the the collar wasn't doing anything to them it was just hanging on their neck but it just uh 
interfered with you know their what they're used to and so that was kind of an exciting thing he kind of had to watch your back that we want him didn't turn around and run over you as she's running from the collar and those sort of things and so that part of it was kind of a process and um, a little bit more of a process than I had originally thought it might be. Uh, I think in another year we might try to set up the cows uh, a little closer to home as we get into that deal. And then we had to go through a training process. Um, they wanted them in a smaller pasture. Most of my pastures are from one to two section pastures. Uh, and so we had to put them in a smaller pasture, which I have. Uh, a couple of those. And then uh, Anna was able to set the virtual fence up, kind of shrinking the pasture after a day or two. We kind of did that over a, what a week period, I guess, to kind of get the cows, the idea of, of uh, you know, how the fence would work. So when we went to the summer pastures and, and read, redid those, they kind of had an idea what was going to happen to them. So that was a that was a little bit more of a process also there than I, you know, I originally I thought it was something we kind of just, <laughs> it kind of just, it, it would develop real quickly and you, something you could, you could do, you know, in a day or two. And it's not, it, it takes quite a little planning. And then like I say, it took us, you know, a day, day or two handling the cows quite a bit more than we normally do that time of year and, and that sort of things. So. Yeah. And then to add to that, so we um, work off four different base stations. Three of them are on the Central Plains um, experimental range. And then one is on the Pawnee grasslands and the owl allotment, which is what Andy is using. And to put those four up, it took me about two days with events technician. So there's, you know, that set up. And then, um, yeah, just kind of to echo what Andy's saying is it is kind of an undertaking. And I think that there is a way to probably plan and manage it so that it works with your operation, you know, but, um, yeah, like, like we said, there's a lot of learning going on. So, um, like if you were really going to implement this into your practice, I think there'd be a way to figure out how to do, you know, to get multiple jobs done at one time and call your cattle and, you know, but, um, yeah, getting it off the ground initially was kind of a big effort. So, yeah, I want to, I want to backtrack and talk about the equipment a little bit. So how big are the collars? They're about three by six, I would say. Okay. Um, the actual box. And then there's two chains that come up on them. That's actually where the shock is distributed is on the chains. Um, and then a breakaway chain at the top. Okay. Yeah. So it's a plastic looking uh, box that, that holds the GPS uh, apparatus, the battery and all that stuff in it. And it it's... It's probably an inch and a half thick, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Also, it's it's not real heavy, but you know, I mean, it it's a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's more weight than what they're used to having around their necks. So it yeah. it was kind of a, a shock to their system for you know, like say for thirty or forty five seconds or so. Mm -hmm. We just recollared a few yesterday. Uh, some of the collars are falling off. Uh, which is more about that too. <laughs> yeah, that that's for a little bit later in the conversation here. But anyway, we recollared the cows yesterday and and they didn't it didn't even affect them i mean they were just they just walked out of the squeeze chute just like normal like okay so it it, it was it's a, just the initial shock was kind of <laughs> yeah that initial collaring they're like what is on me you yeah know? and then they figure it out pretty quick but man and it's very visceral and it's very like <laughs> exciting yeah. um yeah. Happened, every animal i've seen collared has done pretty much the same thing where they're you know bucking and running and stuff <laughs> 
and then about 30 seconds and they're like, okay, and they kind of give up. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you know, can you blame them? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I would be upset too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the collar. And then you mentioned there's a battery. I kind of want to talk through cost just a little bit too. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, to kind of give you the full picture, each base station costs uh, $10,000 and then it's 12500 with install. Mm-hmm. So that's your main cost. Um, if you were going to implement this, like your base stations is really what's going to like be your, the bulk of your costs. Um, and then each collar, and this may have changed. Um, this is like what it was almost a year ago, but each collar is $35 and then each battery is $10. So I did just recently have to buy some new batteries and because um, some of the collars had died. So we just needed a new round of batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, but the collars are rented. So we will give those back at the end of the year. And then if we do do it next year, we'll get the latest model to us. So the rental system, I personally think it's a really good system because you're not stuck with a bunch of old collars. You're constantly getting the newest product that you can. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. So we'll box them up and send them back here once we're done with them. And yeah, that's kind of all the costs outside of labor and that aspect of it. But yeah. Um, Is there any software you have to use with this? So it's a website and it's called Herd Manager. I know that they are working on like an app, but that has not been established yet. So it is just a website and um, you just log into it and you can share branches, you can share, you know, farms. So like I can see like a whole like 20,000 acres that we're managing. Um, But yeah, yeah, that's the manager. Okay. Okay. So, you know, say you... Anna want to go in and change the boundaries. You do that through the website. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then I think you mentioned there was like a waiting period. How long in advance do you have to do that? Make changes. So this is something that we've run into. That's kind of a hurdle and like a mental hurdle more than anything. Um, But it depends on your coverage, right? So we actually have pretty impressive coverage, but if you're getting to like really canyon areas, really hilly areas. It's real flat out here. I'm usually the tallest thing in the prairie. (laughs) And so we have really good coverage, but it takes anywhere from 12 to I would say 36 hours for all the cattle to get synchronized on that, that new map, you will, that new boundary. Um, So, you know, like in the instance that Andy wants to move his cows because they're sick or something's going on, you know, it, it's not like you can just do it really fast because you have to take that that virtual fence down. So something um, that Andy's come up with is like blocking out your uh, gates before so you have an escape route. Um, you want to think about like, okay, if I need to do something different than what we're currently doing, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Yeah. <laughs> because it does take a little while to get them synchronized. Okay. And now gates, you make virtual gates and your virtual fence? Yeah. So when you make your virtual fence, um, you can click on specific points Mm -hmm. and it'll take the virtual fence down in those areas. So, you know, like gates, water, those are the main two ones that we've been using. But essentially that would be like a break in your virtual fence boundary. So it would be up in other places, but down in that area, if that makes sense. So in our entrance, just just (laughs) what she's talking about, what we've done is... is, uh, the, the pastures that I'm using have already been divided by electric, regular electric fence. And <clears throat> what we've done is <clears throat> use the, the virtual fence on the outside boundaries and 
So where my my gates are now, she leaves that open so that the, the virtual fence doesn't go through those gates. So we can use those as gates. Now, if you're doing this in a in an open pasture without any outside fences, then that would be a little bit more of a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Something that that needs to be kind of uh, looked at, worked out somehow, a way that we can adjust it so that you can open and close the fence uh, quickly to get livestock in and out or whatever you're trying to do. In our in our case, it, it's all right because we're backed up with the the other electric fences gates already. So. Yeah. So that kind of fills in that gap for us. And I can send you some screenshots of this if that would help, because it is kind of hard to visualize like what the website looks like and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I can send you kind of some of the. I guess I could bring it up on my computer. Yeah, no, we can include that for sure. I'll put that with the, the show notes so folks can see it. Yeah. Um, and here's here's my silly follow up question. Why not just take the collars off the cows if you really need to get them out of a fenced or a fenced in area uh cows are not that gentle (laughs) you've got to you've got to be able to get to them you know i mean most of my cows you can you can be within you know four or five feet but you my arms aren't that long enough and not that quick (laughs) enough yeah uh, and, and you have to you have to be able to cut the the tying tying mechanism which we're using is is a cable a small cable Mm-hmm. So you'd have to be able to cut that with a pair of cutters to pull the chain loose. Or there is a breakaway system, but it takes more than just a, what a human can pull. Mm-hmm. So it that that's not a practical thing. I mean, that would be impossible really yeah. to do. And maybe in like a dairy system, you know, yeah. or like something where these animals are really, really gentle and you're in like a smaller area. But right now... Like the pasture that we're using is six, it's a full section over actually 640 acres. Mm -hmm. And we have them virtually fenced into about 420 right now. So, you know, it's like about a 95 head herd in um, 400 acres. And yeah, yeah. So it's just. And it it never fails. The one that you got to move is probably the ungentlest one you've got. Yeah, yeah. And then um, as far as like the collaring too is, you know, we're putting these collars on so they don't fall off. Mm -hmm. And so like when we put them on, we'll test it to see if we can like pull it over their ears. And we've kind of come up with like the rule for me is under their throat, like three fingers from the like from the box and their throat. And then if you can get over one ear, but not both um, is kind of our rule right now. What we've found out is that a lot of different they're all shaped differently <laughs> so like some of them have some short horns or a really big pole or you know um like some animals are better suited for virtual fence collars than others <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that's kind of another aspect of the collaring part is um adapting it to each animal mm-hmm. okay all right so once you have them on collared you have the base station set up you're all tricked out with your your new virtual fence how do you train them to stay in those boundaries yeah so this is it's a four-day training period and uh it's the vert the vents protocol is um what we used and it worked really well um so the first day you have just the shock on a hard fence um so you need a pretty small area of acreage and then um hard fences as well so that they're hitting those boundaries and associating the hard fence with a shock. So that first day is just shock. Then the second day you add a really big sound barrier 
-hmm. and then the shock, and then you change your boundaries the next day for day three. And then on the fourth day, you'll put a boundary in the middle of the pasture so that they're hitting that invisible boundary instead of the hard fence boundary. Mm -hmm. And that fourth day is really when you can see if your cattle have learned or not. And for all the cattle that I've put through the training period, they learn on, they're good by the end of the fourth day. They've Mm -hmm. figured out the whole mechanism, which is pretty impressive. And then for Andes, we actually did kind of an extended training period just because of, like he mentioned earlier, the movements of where they were. So we put them into a bigger pasture and kind of extended that same method and like cutting it in half to make sure they're still hitting that um, invisible fence boundary. Okay. Virtual, invisible. Yeah. So what the thing does is as the cow gets close to the, the, the virtual fence, it'll, it'll start beeping at them. It'll make a beeping sound. And it, it, I don't know, they're what, two, three seconds apart or four or five mm-hmm. seconds apart or something like that, each beep. And then as she gets closer to the fence, the beep gets a little louder. And then it, if she does get to the <clears throat> virtual fence area, then it, 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 it gives her a little shock. And it's more of a tickle than a shock. I mean, we, you don't want to sound inhumane by saying it's a shock because it, it's, it's more of a, a tickle. I've seen them react to it and they're kind of, you know, shaking their head and kicking at their, their, their ear, you know, but, it, and then they just walk away a little bit and then it quits and then they just back to grazing or whatever. So, it, okay. but they'll, they'll know when they're getting close. Cause it makes a little beeping sound. And in fact, the reason I know this, <laughs> I was moving some cows one day and, and for some reason, we don't know why, but in the middle of the, the pasture, the, electronic part of the fence started working and the cows I couldn't move them because they were they were you know being uh, shocked by the the fence and and they couldn't back up for some reason it it encircled them and and we had to just stop and wait for probably five minutes and let them kind of stand and then pretty Mm -hmm. and we don't know why the fence did this but then all of a sudden it just it went back to its proper locations and and then the cows just went on about their grazing, just like they were supposed to be. But it mm-hmm. was it was kind of funny. Yeah, I was I was following along behind them, and all of a sudden they started all beeping, and I couldn't oh. figure out what in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is a um, movement mechanism too, so that I think it's three meters every second is what it moves. Um, there is a way to configure to change that, but that's kind of just like the automated one. Um, and we haven't tried it with the cows. I'm a little nervous too, with the calves as well, because it feels like it might be a little, um, confusing for everyone. Um, but I think that there'd have to be like an additional and different training method for the movement vents. Um, because like they understand the hard vents, but then to just throw the movement vents at them, I think is too far of a leap, but, um, that they can learn that movement vents if you're out there to maybe guide them the first few times then you could maybe utilize that movement vents but um okay so this is like the vents would move ahead of them by like three meters every second that's kind of so technically behind them i guess it depends on how you're looking at it okay and then with that being said too you know you have to look at your animal behavior so like i would move them you know like towards water during their regular grazing hours like don't do it when they're going to lay down and be sleeping or ruminating Mm -hmm. But that is um, something we haven't tried. And like I said, I think it could be a little stressful sure. with oh, you're fine. <laughs> stressful with uh, the calves not being collared, you know, and then maybe falling behind and things like that. Mm-hmm. But that would also, I think, have to be kind of like a training element as well. Okay. So, yeah. 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 It'd be kind of like a, 
uh, like somebody herding cows, but you'd use the fence to, to herd them with. And yeah, I don't know how it would work. We, we, mm-hmm. we've thought about trying it on a, on a, a deal, but it's not really, we haven't found a place that we can use it yet to really experiment with it. Mm-hmm. They, they also said that it's been talked that, that you could make a, a uh, you could move cows with an alleyway kind of a deal, put a fence, virtual fence on each side for, you know, a, like a mile or two or whatever you wanted to do so that they would get in this lane and then you, they just drift along with the lane and they wouldn't get off either side. And uh, we thought about experimenting with that. And we might use that later this this fall when we start moving pears around the, the wean and stuff like that. We might try some of that stuff just to, just for an experiment to see if it does work or how it would work. But hmm. there, there's some interesting things that maybe can be used in this thing that uh, we just haven't quite figured out the places that we can yeah. use it yet. Okay. Yeah. Well, you guys are going to have to keep me posted when you try that out. Like, I'm <laughs> curious. <laughs> I know. We're only like halfway in at this point because they got collared June 4th. Um, so yeah, we've really just had June and July. Um, okay. And June was kind of a trial month I would say you know that was when their training period was they weren't in their like established pasture yet you know um they went out on June 4th they were called right. earlier than that. yeah they yeah. were called the last what the last week of May was when we called mm-hmm. them right. yeah okay I think that the thing we found with it is my cows have been running in this particular summer allotment for all their lives uh we've had the, this allotment for uh, since 1940 so i mean every cow has has lived her whole entire life in this allotment and they know where all the water holes are and where their favorite grazing spots are and where their favorite place for getting away from the flies or whatever and so to interrupt that with this virtual fence has been kind of a a little bit of a process Uh, we've got some cows that have just ignored the fence and kind of went through. And I think that's caused once they do that, then it, it's kind of a herd break after a while, mm-hmm. they all go. We're slowly seeming like we're slowly kind of getting around that. I think mm-hmm. they're, they're learning it more as, as the, as the summer goes along. Also, I, I have five pastures I rotate through. So every month we're moving them to a new pasture. And so we're having to, we're having to learn uh, how we want to divide it and block their their normal path too. So it it's kind of been a we're learning as well as the cows are. And I think if you had livestock that was going to a new pasture that was unfamiliar with, I think it would work a whole lot quicker and easier than what we found that that the our process has gone through. It, it's turned into more of a process than I think most people think it probably would would do uh, mm-hmm. and i think that has to do as i say with the the cows and the knowledge of the the lay of the land where they're at now yeah i would agree with that and i think it'll be interesting if we do do it next year um to see if they remember <laughs> like us and this method you know because yeah actually the pasture that we're in right now we just tried to cross section it so there was like an east side and a west side Mm-hmm. and they did not care about being on the east side they wanted to be on the west side and then finally it was just like okay fine like go be on the west side um so we you know pushed up that rotation that we had created a couple days but 
they go where they want to go. And especially like there's been some um, like thunderstorms. If there's a thunderstorm, they'll blow right through it. Hmm. So, yeah, I think that there's definitely some variables to the environment that influence things. Okay, so you're two full months in. What what has worked well? Like, have you seen anything that makes you think like, yeah, I want to keep doing this? I they are responding to it. Yeah, they they we we get we get some usage out of it. I think right now, and mm-hmm. we haven't this next the next pasture we go to here in uh, what next week. Uh, I I think it will be a easier to pasture to try to to divide. Uh, just because of the lay of the land on it, on it, and I think so. We'll we'll probably try to do some more smaller areas there in that pasture just to to see how that works, and and that'll give us another answer what whether the the cows are actually being affected by the collars or or just kind of the heck with it and going going on. Uh, but that, that I think this next one will will be able to do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little different kind of lay in a pasture, and so it it'll give us a better opportunity, maybe. Okay. And it yeah. is one of these. Sorry, I didn't. Remember, but that like the more I use it, the more it's like, oh well, we could maybe do like I am getting more ideas as we're doing it. So yeah, to be announced too is like what we learn from this (laughs) yeah what kind of ideas are you getting Anna what is it sparking for you um yeah so well Andy brought up a really good one yesterday is like using it to wean essentially Hmm. and to keep the cattle kind of as a reinforcement away from the calves when you do eventually like wean them um I also think that this concept of you know people that have really big pastures we're talking like five eight thousand acres and rounding those pastures up is this huge undertaking that if you could create virtual fences that just pull them in like day by day almost um, to have them all gathered fairly close um, so that if you're branding out in the pasture or something like that, you could do it that way. Yeah. Now you put me on the spot. So I'm kind of drawing blanks. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we had an idea and, and and we tried to do it the other day and it didn't work, but uh we needed to bring the cows. It's a three mile trip from where they are now to a set of crails to recolor the ones that, that we needed to take care of. And so we attempted to divide the, hold the cattle up on the upper end of it closer. So cut down some of that. And I don't know whether we didn't get the fence in quick enough or the cows didn't give a damn about the fence. So <laughs> one way or the other, it didn't work like it was supposed to, but I think that's something that, you know, mm-hmm. that if, if we do it again, which I think we might try, uh, we get a little ahead of it, maybe a day or two in advance instead. It, it was something we kind of did overnight, you know. Yeah. Uh, Last minute. This recoloring thing was kind of a <laughs> something yeah. we'd been putting off and trying to figure out how we were not going to have to trail the cows so, so far to get it done. And, yeah. and uh, it finally came to the point where we just had to get it done. And so overnight we came up with these ideas that, that maybe if we had some time to plan them a little longer, I think maybe it might have worked a little better. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll try some of those things again. I think. Yeah. And then this the weaning thing we we wean here at home and our cows are about uh, oh half a three quarters of a mile away and and lots of times when we first wean the cows just tear the fence down and come home. <laughs> and so I I came up with the idea and and this all depend if our batteries are going to be strong enough by that period of time because we're getting kind of close on mm-hmm. on the 
the length of the battery term, termination, I guess. But if we think it's going to work, do we're going to try it on the on the weaning and see if we can hold the cows back off the fence. It only takes two or three days in their wean, but those first two or three days, all we do is fix fence. And so we yeah. we thought we might we might try this this virtual fence thing. But like I say, it's it's we're going to be close on our battery dates. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Anna's going to try maybe some adjustments. I guess there's a way to less. Um, frequent frequent yeah like gps pings right so right now we have it set um for five minute every five minutes it updates their location uh, which is just for research purposes really but producer like if you were using this in an actual setting not that you're not i'm the research part <laughs> andy is the research part. but um that you would do you know 30 minutes to an hour you really don't need to be seeing your animals every five minutes mm-hmm. um so that's something that can extend your battery life this isn't so public lands i think are actually a really interesting case for virtual fence mm-hmm. and like blm forest service this is a forest service allotment but you run into you know labor keeping up fence boundary lines on that type of stuff. So what's cool is that you can know where your cattle are or aren't for that matter that, you know, if they are getting onto the neighbors, you know where they are or um, like that type of situation is you can really create fence lines really quickly mm-hmm. for like that purpose, which I think has an interesting take and then you know maybe it looks like the base station is provided by the organization and then the producer buys the collars or you know something like that whereas um i'm from nebraska and we have had a bunch of blizzards this winter and so cattle were just everywhere and that was kind of an interesting thing that came up with my family is it was like well you could figure out where your cattle are (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah that was the one thing that I thought about originally was was uh, with the the Forest Service. There, once in a while, they come up with an idea to have us stay out of a a certain area in an allotment or so forth. And so I originally, when when they started talking about this, I thought it was something that maybe we could work with the Forest Service on to virtually fence the cows off. Well, as it turns out, I think it would take more of a process than what we're we have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. It's something that's got to be planned. Like I say, you know, a little in advance to put the collars on and all that stuff. So you couldn't really do it, but that was the original thought I had working. Mm-hmm. Now the forest service is saying that it's possibility and they're doing, they're doing their own study kind of following what we're doing uh, in the mountains to the West of us uh, had forest fires here a few years ago and burned all the fences down. And so they actually just eliminated those allotments. They're not even using them. So they have thought about that if the ranchers are interested uh, up there, maybe collaring cows and and doing that with a virtual fence up there and and being able to reuse some of those allotments that they've they've eliminated. There are certain people that are happy that we're not using those allotments, you know, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But but the the Forest Service would like to graze them if they could, but it's too expensive to, to go up there and fence that. So that's, they're looking at our experiment here and, and seeing if it's something that, that may can may, maybe use and do up there in, in the mountains. I'm not sure if it would work because of the signal needing to get around uh, up and down the hills and through the trees and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how 
we're we're not having much trouble with that, but I I think there's a possibility that that would be a concern up up there for those guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, I have one last question. Um, maybe two. Usually make a liar out of myself with that. Um, <laughs> Always leave yourself a little room. Yeah, I know I should a little more wiggle room. Andy, could you have done this without the research component? Uh, I wouldn't have done it. I don't think. <laughs> Yeah. First of all, especially what I know, what I know now, and yeah. no, I would, I couldn't have done it. Uh, it. The expense would have been too much for me to put, you know, into the cows and expect the cows to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Just, just for the fun, fun thing of doing this, I think, you know. Yeah. It, it wouldn't work in my pocketbook, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I have to make a living somehow. <laughs> well. um, Anna, you kind of mentioned the idea of like cost sharing maybe or having the base station set up by somebody else. Do you think that's a more feasible way to do this moving forward if people wanted to try it out? I do. Yeah. Well, and realistically, so like to put it in perspective, the four base stations that we have are covering this owl allotment and then the central plans experimental range. Mm-hmm. And that's roughly 20,000 acres. But the coverage from these four stations is like 40 to 50,000 acres. Like it really goes farther than that. So like hypothetically, if you had other producers in this area that these base stations are covering, like why wouldn't you offer that to them, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you could work kind of like as a cooperative or an organization. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if it was just like neighbors to neighbors going in on a couple, you know, like it wouldn't even have to be like an official organization per se. Um, But if it was something that like your ranching community was interested in, you could like go in with people. And I think that that'd be a lot smarter way to do it or not smarter maybe, but like feasible way to do it. Um, Because like each person doesn't really need their own base station um in in my experience and that could be different once you get into different terrain and stuff like that but especially out here in these prairie lands um yeah yeah so yeah like that type of thing and then i also think that we're going to start seeing a lot more initiatives type things and like people doing you know a cost share with like organizations conservation Mm -hmm. um organizations that type of thing um just to help get this off the ground. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I, I did lie. I have one more kind of a lightning round question. Um, in like just a couple of sentences, what advice would the two of you give to somebody who's like, I'm going to try virtual fence. <laughs> Be patient. It's the biggest thing I have. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's something that you can't, you can't do overnight. You've got to plan out. So you, you need to have a little patience with it mm-hmm. uh, to plan it out and so forth. And yeah, I guess my biggest piece of advice is like, maybe have a plan before you even do it, you know, Um, because that's like something and like, I kind of view this almost as like our pilot year, you know what I mean? Where we're like getting our ducks in order and like really utilize, you know, experiencing this. Mm -hmm. But if you had like a reason to have virtual offense, I think that that would be crucial to like your success if that makes sense is that like this is what I want to do with virtual offense and this is how I'm going to do it but yeah yeah and then also I think that there's this concept that it's like easy breezy you know (laughs) and that you're going to put a bunch of collars on your cattle and you're going to have no fence lines and you're going to have no hired men anymore because you don't need 
you know, labor. That's not at all kind of what's happening. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that you could eventually get there, but especially like in the first, you know, parts of it, it's, it is a lift to get it going. And we've also found that, that, uh, you know, you, you can't go by the GPS. <laughs> yeah. So you can't sit here and look on your computer and say, well, my cows are wherever that, because they're not, sometimes the, the GPS signal's not telling the caller where they actually are. They're not telling the caller, whatever. So we've, we've found a lot of things that, and I think it's something that's got to go, be gone through with the company that they'll work out eventually. But, but it's, you still got to be out there spending usual time, you know, mm-hmm. look, you can't live by this thing only. Mm-hmm. There is a place for the virtual fence. I'm not sure that in our particular area, our particular system that, that, that there is a reason to really use it other than just a very small, like she said, with the repairing areas and those sort of things once in a while. But, you know, to, to go through all the trouble of collaring them just for a two day thing to keep them off of a certain repairing area, it's, it's not really, not really worth it in my system. Mm-hmm. There are systems where I think it is definitely worth it and would be worth it. We get all these glitches. And, and I think, we're coming up with, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm taking too long talking about oh, this. You're good. We're coming up with, uh, we're things that we're seeing now that that I don't think the company has even thought about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only way you can do that is through an experiment like we're doing. And and if she's a real nice girl, talks really <laughs> nice to me, we'll do it again next year. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think we'll probably do it. But but you know, it's things that like this we're able to pass the word on to the, to the company and say, man, you know, these things are not working like they're supposed to be, or, or, you know, we've got these kind of problems in order to make this thing work. Like you say, it's going to have to, you got to do something different. And, Mm -hmm. and so we're, you know, we've lost several callers that, and, and now we're going to have to go hunt for those callers because we don't know where they are. We're Mm -hmm. assuming that, that, and we've tried this. We had a couple where she took the uh, GPS coordinates and we drove right to the, to the X point and the caller's not there. So apparently the, it didn't update at the right time so that mm-hmm. we can, so, you know, in, in a full section pasture, those cows are all over the place. So you're going to have to, you know, kind of wander around. So that's some things that that's got to be worked out. How do we find those, those callers? How do we keep those callers from falling off? Those sort of things. And, and the only way you can do that is through an experiment like we're doing and, and, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's, and it's been a learning curve for both of us, even, sure. you know, just trying to figure out how we can best utilize this thing uh, to get experiments out of it and get the cows to understand that what we're doing is best for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't always agree. I've, I've, I went through in, in, I don't know, 12, 14 years ago and, and divided this allotment into five different section pastures or roughly section pastures, uh, working with the Forest Service. Uh, kind of how we both thought the pasture should be laid out. So, so the pastures are pretty well in in the best uh, position and shapes they can be. So the virtual part of it is not really anything that I need to really do different. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that we're you know to try to to adjust the the movement of the cattle a little bit. I will say that this year has been. Um extremely kind to us with rain as well. So, you know, we haven't really had to worry a ton about water and forage either. So, you know, maybe in a different year, we would have entirely different answers too, Mm -hmm. which is something that I'm kind of like last year, for instance, like 
maybe we would have been rotating and like really, really, really um, into like, you know, really fast, narrow rotations. But now there's so much forward to that doesn't even really matter because it's like they couldn't possibly eat as much grass as, as out there. Yeah. So, you know, and there's also, you know, like that point is that like maybe certain times, certain years, certain seasons are better than others. Um, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've been very lucky this year in that effect. Yeah. Well, I just the troubleshooting you two are doing alone has got to be worth <laughs> a ton to whoever does this next. I mean, yeah, yeah, I do. When we started this, um, I don't know that I felt like events expert, but at this point, I'm like, I feel like an expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you found it. Oh my gosh, Anna. Yeah. I, I can't believe. Yeah. 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 So yeah, but um, no, it's been good and it's been fun. And I, yeah, I think that also this technology is like very on the cusp, you know, that like mm-hmm. once things become more affordable and more um, broader, I guess is the word I would use is there's more companies doing it, more things like that, that it will expand really quickly. Yeah. So yeah, maybe next year we'll have a totally different system and we won't even use base stations. Who knows? You know? Well, or the, the thing I was thinking too, is instead of the colors, if we had a, a tag we could put in their ear or something, you know, could match up with, your your idea tags something that you're already done mm-hmm. uh you know you could use that and, and you wouldn't have to together the cows to put the collars on and and to do all that stuff it's something that your system would already be going and and then you could just take it and and run with it and then we could utilize it in in more ways like i was saying where you could you know fence out a little area or overnight you could do whatever and so there's some technology things that i think that can be changed somehow and I'm a lot smarter person than what I am. I guarantee you that, but, but some things that, that would be, you know, more useful to, to a livestock producer and handier for the livestock producer to use in an open range situation, like what we're using it in, that would be much more economical for the guy to use. So mm-hmm. there's some things that, that be worked out that, that I think will get worked out sometime. Okay. Yeah. And there's a lot of different companies right now. You know, there's no fence. There's no collar, I think is the name of it. We're using just vents. Um, and I really like them. They've been a great company, but, um, you know, like no fence uses a solar panel, so they don't have the battery. There's a lot of iterations of this. And I think that as more iterations come up, it'll get narrowed down to like the best product. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you both for the the work you're doing on this. I'm gonna have to catch up with you if you do it again next year. <laughs> Figure out what you what you learned. We'll send you an invitation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll come check it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would love to. Tolerate um, at the end of May if you want to come. <laughs> heck, it's not too far of a drive. We could do it. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be yeah. great. Um, well, just wrap it up. Thank you both so much for being here today and for talking about this. I think it's an awesome area to explore. It was really nice to hear about it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you reaching out. Yeah. And um, yeah, this has been great. Awesome. Anna Shadbolt is a research associate at Colorado State University's AgNext program. Before joining AgNext, Anna earned a degree in human dimensions of natural resources from Colorado State and worked as a research technician for the USDA's Agricultural Research Service on the Central Plains Experimental Range. Anna's no stranger to cattle. She grew up in the sand hills of Nebraska on two fifth-generation ranches. Now she's serving as Agnex Grazing Management Outreach and Research Coordinator. Our second guest, Andy Lawrence, is a fourth-generation rancher in Colorado. 
He lives and works on the grasslands and strives to better his own land and cattle herd with proper range management. Andy values continuous learning by being actively involved with ongoing studies in rangeland groups. You can learn more about AgNext and the research that folks like Anna and Andy are doing by checking out the show notes. In fact, you'll see some of those screenshots that Anna mentioned of the software they're using to run vents. If you liked this episode, please help us out and subscribe. Heck, if you really like it, share it with someone else you know who might like it too. And if you have questions about new technology, carbon markets, or anything to do with agricultural ecosystem services, come visit us at decode6.org. We have lots more, and we'll see you there.